Welcome to Manners and Madness, a Jane Austen and David Lynch podcast. My name is Maya Adkins. And I'm Christian Cabrera. And today we are covering Fire Walk With Me, part one. (laughs) Yes, the first half. Yes. Because we can't do more than just a half. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I was even wondering if we needed to do a third of the movie at a time, but I, after watching it, I feel like we can, we can manage a half. (laughs) Yeah, I, I would say so, especially since, you know, we've already covered the diary and a lot of the diary is sort of in this and relates to it. And so I think a two-parter would be perfect to give it enough justice. Yes. And yeah, so, okay, well, let's do first impressions. Let's do a real proper proper episode. (laughs) (laughs) Even Pride and Prejudice, we haven't done, you know, our normal way of doing things, but Uh, first impressions. Yeah, (laughs) well, this is definitely my first time watching it, and (laughs) I'm really enjoying it. It's giving me a very Halloween, like the movie vibe. (laughs) I feel like yeah, Laura is, yeah, very small town. A lot of following uh, girls that could be babysitters on sidewalks behind them. <laughs> it's very spooky, very scary, very tense because it's Laura, duh. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I I don't know if we had ever mentioned it. I'm sure we did. But the whole Moira Kelly playing Dada thing really, t- <laughs> like, I was like, <laughs> Huh? What? (laughs) (laughs) That's not Donna. (laughs) So that was like, uh, oh, let me just look at IMDb. Oh, okay. That's why. (laughs) (laughs) That makes sense. But um, I'm excited to do this one because it's kind of like an extra Twin Peaks of that time period, the original Uh Twin Peaks. And so we have like revisiting all of our old favorites. Yeah. (sighs) Gosh. Okay. First impressions. What about you? (laughs) (laughs) That is a hard one because I kind of feel like I saw this in the movie theater, but Mm. I also feel like I don't remember that experience very well. I feel like the second time I watched it, I rented it and watched it Mm -hmm. at home and thought, have I seen this before? (laughs) (laughs) I could totally see like, it's sort of getting meshed together with the show, especially season one, and then maybe some other sort of properties that have like a similar vibe and that you're like, I don't know if I've ever seen this before. Well, because I feel like I saw it and I was like, this is not what I wanted because what I wanted at the time. <laughs> what, when did it come out exactly? Uh, it came out in 92, but more specifically, it came out August 28th. We just passed 92. it. Okay, well, then I was still pretty young. So, like, I guess, like, I probably went with my mom to see it Mm -hmm. in the movie theater thinking, okay, I want to know what happened to Cooper. (laughs) (laughs) Right, the sequel. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's the question that had been driving me insane since the second Mm -hmm. season. Like, what the heck happened to Cooper? Is he, you know, Bob now? You know, and so I feel like I saw it. It was like, whoa, this is not only not anything of what i wanted (laughs) it is also way more crazy intense and sexual (laughs) than i am prepared to watch at this age (laughs) Uh, definitely it is not a uh it's not a pg-13 it's a it's definitely an r (laughs) yes (laughs) but then i believe i watched again 
a little bit older, mm-hmm. maybe college or maybe still like, you know, just later, like 18, 17, 18. Mm-hmm. And I know when I was in college, I did because I bought the the um, the VHS co- copy of mm-hmm. the series and the international pilot and this <laughs> and I would make a million I made everyone watch it I <laughs> should have said every single person I knew but Fire Walk With Me is one that we would just watch a lot you know uh-huh. this is definitely my more drug taking days <laughs> not to say I did anything near the drugs that Laura does but um... <laughs> so you were living in like a sort of Laura fantasy <laughs> yeah but like you know it Something about this this movie, like especially like the drug scenes and stuff, mm-hmm. felt like more like I don't know. It was more like a surreal, impressionistic uh-huh. feeling. I don't even know where where does the halfway point does that get to? We've uh, the only drug scene like her doing the drugs. I specifically remember from this first part was her in the bathroom at school. Oh, okay. Well, then the I. Maybe I'll save it for the next episode. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. some of the drug stuff felt very like like you were living it with her if uh-huh. you were intoxicated in any way. Yeah. So anyway, it was uh, I watching it again. It's probably been a while since I've seen this, and it kind of felt like a different experience Ooh. a little bit this time. Uh-huh. Like maybe it was because I was watching it sober and the during the day you know but <laughs> yeah it um it had less of a i'm living it with you experience and mm-hmm. more of a oh especially having read the diary which i don't think i've i've never watched this half since i've mm-hmm. read the diary i felt really connected to laura and like you know this whole the whole story of yeah you know just seeing it from her perspective and knowing that like this is the part of the diary where we're like we're not even getting that much because she's already like she's losing it reached this bit. climax point. Yeah, <laughs> but I've always <laughs> I have so much to say. I I've always been impressed by how accurate this movie is to what the series sets up as Laura's uh-huh. last days. Like as we're exploring it in the series, we're seeing oh, yeah. like like day to day all the different stuff that people talk about happened with Laura mm-hmm. that last week. So yeah, it was. I love this movie. I, I know every <laughs> line. I think I. It's not my normal kind of movie that I love, but mm-hmm. I love this movie. <laughs> I'm really enjoying it, and I, I actually, I because I didn't know how to feel at first with the Chris Isaac and the <laughs> Kiefer Sutherland part, but I kind of really liked them, especially yeah. the Kiefer Sutherland character was so goofy, yeah. and <laughs> I just really liked their kind of setup, and I was like, "Ooh, is this going to be like?" Are we going to follow them very long? But clearly not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because strangely, I feel like this movie sets up so much of the lore of Twin Peaks. Like Mm -hmm. a lot of the, I mean, when we get to season three, you'll be like, man, Twin Peaks and Firewalk with me living in people's brains for 25 years leads to season three. (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine just based on the little things that I've heard and just maybe like one scene I've seen. It's Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm excited for that. But yeah, I but it's like a whole different thing. (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like this is also maybe giving us new, at least for me, a new perspective on some of the characters, especially like you know, Bobby is just like, you can 
just see because Laura's actually alive. You could see how easily she manipulates him and how oh, like yeah. kind of like, oh, he's just a dummy. Like, uh-huh. yeah, it and just James. It, it, yeah, <laughs> James. <laughs> a, James is kind of a loser, but <laughs> well, <laughs> appropriate. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and what did you think of Donna? Because some people love Moira Kelly more. Some people love Mm -hmm. Laura Flynn Boyle more. You know, I think it really depends on how many times you've watched both. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I would say to me, they're both, and this is not like a, in a bad way, but like they're both giving different performances. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was intentional, but I feel like the Donna in the Twin Peaks show is more mature. I mean, things have actually happened to her. Her best friend died and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. I think it's appropriate that someone like Laura Flynn Boyle plays her who looks a little older, who acts a little more mature. And then the uh-huh. Maura Kelly version feels like such a little kid yeah. compared to Laura, which yeah, I think I think it's a good juxtaposition. It have. is because even through the book, you know, she was there a little for Laura's exploits Uh but she had kind of stopped being like important to laura by the point we're at in the movie i mean not important but like it was almost like laura shutting her out to protect her yes yeah and she is more innocent you know Mm mm-hmm Definitely. (laughs) Just (laughs) like you like see her getting into Laura's world, which she really tries to do in the the, in the show. Yeah. She's like, girl, you can't handle it. (laughs) I used to always really (laughs) like Moira Kelly better. Mm -hmm. And I think that has a a little to do with just the fact that Laura Flynn Boyle didn't come back to play her. And she always just kind of distanced herself from Twin Peaks. So, you know, as a fan, I'm like, well, you know, I don't really like you that much. But having (laughs) gone back and watched the series, I feel like I have a new appreciation for Laura Flynn Boyle as Donna. And yeah, so it's hard to say. I think I like them both equally. And yeah, I think they could either one could be Donna at this point in my mind. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's really an apples to oranges situation because the personalities of the two Donnas are so different which doesn't like harm the show or the quality of the show in any way I think based on those personalities I prefer the Laura Flynn Boyle Donna just Uh because she's so much more mature she kind of has this more noir aspect to her because she's trying to be sort of Laura post-mortem and I kind of like that aspect of her a little bit but it's good to see her in this situation because it really reinforces from the diary the fact that Laura was like, you know, push her out. I she's not she can't handle this. And it kind of reinforces that mindset. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember definitely in interviews and stuff, Cheryl Lee has talked about how she had the diary the whole time she was filming this. Like she mm-hmm. was reading and rereading it and referencing passages. And I have to say, if there's one thing to take away from this movie, is that Cheryl Lee is an amazing actress. She does oh, yeah. such a great job in this movie. Just like even the second half, it's like even builds like just mm-hmm. her performance is amazing. Yeah, she's really good. I think she's a professor of acting or something. Yeah, she teaches now. acting, I believe. Yeah. So I was like, that's very appropriate. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole Chris Isaacs part, I definitely feel like this time watching it, I noticed, of course, maybe just from doing this podcast, because I mm-hmm. know David Lynch's sense of humor more. It was just way funnier than I've ever <laughs> taken yeah. it as. I've yeah. always been like, what is this weirdness? Weirdness, weirdness. But I don't think it's weird for the sake of being weird. I think it's weird because that is David Lynch's sense of humor. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you start off with Gordon. 
And right. I feel like, <laughs> especially because it's, you know, not a network TV show. It's a movie that's David Lynch's movie. It's got a lot of the David Lynch movie-isms, like the, the cutaways to different scenes to kind of reinforce like a feeling or an emotion or something. And I always really appreciate that because, you know, I like sort of in certain ways, like being told how to feel without directly being told how to feel, if that makes uh-huh. sense. And so I, I always really appreciate that aspect of his filmmaking. Yeah. Well, do we have any notes or you do you have notes? Because there's so many special features that I was like, maybe we should do like a, an extras episode. <laughs> like maybe we should really both watch some of the special features and be like, here's some real stuff. But we can just do like our basic notes if you want us do that. Sure. Yeah. Let's do some basics. All right. Like I said, came out August 28th, 1992, which just passed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but at the time of, fil- of recording, I almost said filming. directed by david lynch and written by david lynch and robert angles yeah mark frost i believe infamously did not come back to do this no no it was in a weird spot because Mm -hmm. it had been so popular and then it had kind of like canceled but also lost its popularity in a certain way and yeah and i think a lot of the cast and you know, Mark Frost just were internalizing the fact that it got canceled and stuff Mm -hmm. and thinking, you know, oh, it's embarrassing now. But honestly, it's not. It it wasn't that. (laughs) That's not the circumstances that made. I mean, I don't know. I just feel like people really were at least at that time period were still really kind of sensitive to kind of distancing themselves to it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, yeah, I think especially having a more modern mindset of how like the studio system works and all that like it definitely i think nowadays we would not attribute the like fall in popularity and cancellation to the show to any of the creative parts of the show it's more so how the studio was intervening and changing things like you know not giving it a chance (laughs) exactly and not really investing in niche things like some of them do these days uh i'll say very a low amount of the sum part, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, it, you know, clearly it has a cult following. It's very popular among the fans, like they're diehard uh-huh. fans. So yeah, it is a kind of a shame that, you know, a lot of the actors didn't come back and they feel a certain way about it maybe to this day. Yeah. Well, you know, honestly, I was just looking at how much time has already passed. And I'm thinking mm-hmm. maybe we should wait and do some okay. notes like when we do the um, missing pieces, because yeah, I think that's a great. Honestly, idea. <laughs> I want to make sure we get it all in. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I think that's a good idea, especially because we have these special features. Yeah, and I mean we know all the cast. Honestly, yeah. when, the, when, this, <laughs> when it was coming up, I was like, oh my god, I'm so excited. All the, names. All the people, all the people we know and love, plus all the new people who are in this one, which all are great. all really famous people. So <laughs> we're not gonna really exactly. need to. Uh, let y'all know because you know (laughs) exactly exactly yeah let's get into it okay okay so we start 
with the staticky screen mm -hmm. and the sounds of Twin Peaks. And it's very kind of blue velvet almost. The I was thinking opening. the same thing. Yeah, because we start with a television getting smashed, which is mm -hmm. symbolic of we're not in the TV show anymore, but also exactly what happens. Well, exactly uh, an, an image an image mm -hmm. <laughs> say it weird am I an image from blue velvet <laughs> <laughs> yeah well did blue velvet did it come out a couple years before this I think it was before Twin Peaks okay because I was like I know they weren't too far apart like it wasn't like a 10 year gap because or anything like that Kyle McLaughlin was um he looked like a baby during blue velvet yeah <laughs> Which, you know, <laughs> seeing him nowadays, like, on TikTok or whatever, because he's yeah. got, like, a good TikTok. Looking at him in this, I was like, they're all infants. He still looks really young, yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was like, it's so crazy to see, especially, like, throughout the years. But, yeah. yeah Blue Velvet-ish. Yeah. Yeah. So, we open with the murder of Teresa Banks. We see... <laughs> mm -hmm. Just like Laura at the very beginning of Twin Peaks, we see her wrapped in plastic floating along a river. Ugh, scary. And fittingly, uh, David Lynch, a.k.a. Gordon, gets the first <laughs> real line. <laughs> and it's, get me Agent Chet Desmond in Fargo, North Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> Did uh, I wonder if Fargo had come out by this point. I don't think so, because no? I definitely watched Fargo in college. Oh, yeah, it was a couple years after. But that's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think David Lynch really loves a place where no one lives. <laughs> oh, of course. Of course. Especially if it has a nice weird name. <laughs> yeah. And you get to kind of be like, it's so secluded. It's so mystical. Yeah. No one knows well, the secrets. He, he grew up in what? Montana or? I think so. Someplace like that. Yeah. I've already forgotten. People are like, <laughs> how do. do you not know? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we see Jet Desmond, who is played by Chris Isaacs, and he is arresting some girls next to a school bus <laughs> full of screaming children. <laughs> I wrote down, school bus held up by FBI. Kids screaming, huh? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so funny to see them, like, there are two women who aren't handcuffed, but then there are two people up against the bus, and then some of the FBI people have their guns pointed at the bus full of screaming children. <laughs> it's a very interesting... Yeah. Very blue velvet like, picture. The blue the bus driver is getting arrested in like a later flash to the scene and all mm -hmm. the kids have their faces squished against like screaming. <laughs> ah! <laughs> and I guess I always kind of thought like, ooh, what is this? This is weird. What is this mean? And now I'm just like, this is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so ridiculous. Over the top. So Chet Desmond is going to be meeting with Cole and Kiefer Suther Sutherland? Kiefer Sutherland? What is it? Kiefer Sutherland? <laughs> yes. I wrote down Sullivan, which is <laughs> Yes. Kiefer with an F and then Sutherland. Yeah. His name is Sam Stanley, but I've never thought of him <laughs> as anything other than Kiefer Sutherland. <laughs> of course. I like that name, though. That's such a David Lynch name. I feel like I could hear him saying it in my head. Sam Stanley. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so they go to the airport and we get definitely one of the craziest, most Twin Peaksy <laughs> random things. <laughs> Lil comes out and does oh, yes. a little dance. <laughs> a little jig. <laughs> uh, Cole says that she's my mother's sister's girl. <laughs> <laughs> I just wrote down cousin question mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but we find out in the next yeah. scene. Sorry that everything about this situation is symbolic. And it's I'm like, like coded. Is it 
who's listening? What? But yeah. you know, it's a Blue Rose task force, so so they probably got their own code and yeah, yeah. All I the, did. The mysteries are wrapped yeah. up in that. <laughs> exactly. I did laugh that I think it was when Chris Isaacs and Keeper Sutherland's character beat Gordon is like, give him the glad hand, and that's his <laughs> his, his, his little colloquialism for the handshake. It make me laugh. Yes, I, I I can't remember. There's some point in time that I write. Twin Peaks has its own like language. Yes, <laughs> I I've been watching this Dungeons and Dragons thing, mm-hmm. and it's set in like a noir setting, and they all have little cheat sheets with like random expressions to use, oh, and I'm like, Twin Peaks has the exact same type of a thing oh yeah <laughs> i just think about like how people for like lord of the rings have like the elven language like vocabulary and dictionary blah blah, blah and it's like twin peaks should have its own yeah <laughs> i mean it basically does <laughs> <laughs> exactly uh, i love it so much okay this is such a perfect October movie. <laughs> it really is it feels perfect so chet explains it to sam <laughs> later <laughs> there's so many clues there's like you know the the hand clenching oh, yes. means something the sour face means mm-hmm. something it's all kind of about the sheriff that they're about to talk to and how he's got like relatives who are he, they're hostile towards the fbi and i'm like none yeah. of this needed to be in code at this little airport <laughs> because this guy is not in any way watching you <laughs> no. also it's like it's coded but she comes with like the most like fluorescent red hair. <laughs> she's so obvious. She's like it's so, so bright. <laughs> Anyone it's around would be funny. like, what is happening right now? We need to take notes. <laughs> it definitely made me laugh. Oh, but she has a blue rose on her mm-hmm. dress, which is um, the mystery. Rose. He can't tell him about that. Mm-hmm. <sighs> because Teresa Banks' murder is a blue rose case, mm. as will Laura Palmer be. <gasps> oh. um, I also wrote down when they were in the car together that all the FBI agents either look like Cooper or uh, Gordon Cole. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Isaacs is the Cooper lookalike and Kiefer Sutherland is the Gordon Cole. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I can't remember why exactly Kyle McLaughlin, I think might've been doing something else at the time. So he couldn't really, I think he was supposed to be the Chet Desmond part originally, uh, but he couldn't really commit enough time. So mm-hmm. that's why well, Chris yeah. Isaacs did it. I like it, though. Yeah. I did notice Chris Isaacs has this stank face that he pretty mm-hmm. much has the entire time, which I've never noticed before. <laughs> it works. They go to the Deer Meadows Sheriff's Office, and the receptionist is my favorite thing in the world. She just <laughs> literally cracks up the entire time. She's, like, trying to hold it in, and she's just, like, <laughs> laughing, giggling to herself. In every scene, we see her. <laughs> Of course. Also, all sheriff receptionists have to be blonde. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, very Lucy. They are being very obstinate, like, we're not going to let you back there. And Chet nose pinches the (laughs) deputy into submission. (laughs) (laughs) Cliff. Uh, They go back to the sheriff, who's very obstinate, and he's got a photo of him. And it says Cable Ben Steel because his name is Cape, Sheriff Cable. Right. <laughs> and it's him bending some steel in a photo. <laughs> Kiefer, or no, Sam, <laughs> <laughs> comes up and is, uh, they have to go to the, I mean, the, the scene has so much to it, but I got to keep it moving because we, <laughs> we're going to Yeah. Well, it's just a lot of back and forth, like 
the overall view is that they don't want outsiders coming in to do their job or whatever. Exactly. But then my response to whenever this shows have that, I'm like, so you solved the case. Oh, okay, never mind. So you didn't right. solve the case. <laughs> so, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sure they would never have even gotten around to it, seeing how, where Teresa lived and what, you know. She, exactly. They she's not a prominent cared. member of the community. Right. Oh, they go out back to the morgue and Sam says that this whole office furniture included is worth $27,000. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> so then they go to the morgue and morgue. It's literally like a shed. <laughs> They're investigating the body, which creaks when they move it. It's very creepy. It is. The sound design in this movie is like a plus level david lynch sound design <laughs> oh yeah and it was very it was just really creepy how her face was kind of frozen yeah like though i always think of like the ring obviously because that's such a cultural moment but mm. it's like uh it always feels supernatural when that happens so it's like oh this is a clue yeah especially considering we see fo- later when we see her like alive she's like so gorgeous so to see her yeah. like in this like crazy expression yeah yeah it's very scary (laughs) she is missing a ring and in very similar to twin peaks they rip open a fingernail and find a little t underneath (laughs) i hated it (laughs) (laughs) which is crazy you know when you really think about it leland palmer Mm -hmm. bob there's no t in either of those names (laughs) but it's robert for Bob, but like still, it's like just really. Well, we never think of him as that. <laughs> no, no, no. I always thought because what was the the letter found under Laura's nail? That's what I was trying to remember because I was like, oh, the T is maybe for Teresa, but then I think it's R. I want to say R. R. That's why I'm like, huh? I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> oh no, it's because I just I was thinking back the when he's throwing rocks. Mm-hmm. Anyway. <laughs> I'm it sure John Bernardi has put all this together in yeah. an article somewhere. <laughs> Definitely. It'll, you know, it's an important right now. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so they finish up at like 3 a.m. and they go to get coffee in one of my favorite scenes. <laughs> they walk Irene. in and this guy is like, Irene is her name and it is nice. Don't go any further with it. <laughs> There's nothing good about it. <laughs> I swear, I know every light to this movie. (laughs) (laughs) For someone who doesn't remember anything. (laughs) So they talk to Irene. She's awesome. (laughs) She's like, uh, she says, I don't take drugs. (laughs) (laughs) Never have, never will. (laughs) Sam is like, alcohol's a drug. Nicotine's a drug. (laughs) She She said, legal. (laughs) <laughs> who's the toe head those drugs are legal <laughs> toe head they should add yeah. that to the dictionary <laughs> i love that word <laughs> but uh sam does look extremely tired irene says that her death was a freak accident mm-hmm. and then uh, this other guy the other guy in the diner who has a french woman next to him a beautiful <laughs> french woman so david lynch He's like, are you talking about that little girl that got murdered? <laughs> I'm sorry, I have. There's just certain lines that I just, I cannot not say. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, he sticks out for sure. But I like yeah. how she's like, oh, it's a freak accident. And she was, you know, somehow got wrapped in plastic in that freak accident. 
Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Chet tricks Sam into spilling coffee on himself. <laughs> and Irene tells us that once Teresa's arm went dead, Oof. which does come back a little bit and you want to hear about our specials <laughs> <laughs> we don't have any <laughs> so then they go to see harry dean stanton aka carl <laughs> and i think about this part all the time especially because the sign this is like don't disturb before 9 30 a.m or whatever and ever <laughs> they get all their guns <laughs> they're like oh my god oh my god they go to investigate Teresa's trailer because he's the um i guess owner or manager of the trailer park Mm -hmm. she has on the ring in the photo which i have the same ring because i'm a crazy (gasps) fan (laughs) (laughs) and we have this happen a couple times throughout this this movie what i Mm -hmm. consider the spooky ghost cam because Mm -hmm. we get like a shot of what looks like a spooky ghost coming towards the door but it's a mm-hmm. soot-covered lady, which she's just creepy. She just comes, she looks, she doesn't say anything, she leaves. Kind <laughs> of. It's very David Lynch. I feel like there's something in Mahal and Drive that kind of reminds me of that. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure there's some sort of like symbol symbology or whatever about like the old crone and what she <laughs> symbolizes and blah blah blah. And... Yeah. Well, you kind of think of how Laura had so many projects of goodness that she was trying to do and so many Mm -hmm. people she was trying to help that maybe Teresa kind of had the same thing oh yeah maybe this lady was one of them (laughs) oh yeah I feel like there's always that with Bob there's always that need to like make up for the bad stuff Uh uh-huh well and in this trailer park is where we first start to hear the sounds of electricity I say Mm. with quotes because the sounds are (laughs) the arm from Mm -hmm. the red room going oh my so that's i guess the sound of electricity okay back to the sheriff's office the sheriff is of course still being abstinent not not abstinent (laughs) obstinate (laughs) well we don't know his life we don't he might be abstinent (laughs) obstinate about the body they ask about the ring and they respond we got a phone here it's got a little ring <laughs> one of my favorite ones <laughs> uh so dumb <laughs> yeah. just... um i think he punches him out uh chet punches out the sheriff during the scene is that correct i don't remember that maybe that's a deleted does that not scene. happen maybe that's the deleted scene <laughs> I didn't write I, it down. I was just like, that definitely happens right here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wanted it to happen, but <laughs> there's a, I don't remember it happening, at least in the regular <laughs> version. Okay. Okay. So Chet goes back to the trailer park for the Blue Rose. Mm. We find out that the sheriff also has a trailer here. It kind of implies that he's like, Carl points it out to him. So it kind of feels like he's going to that trailer, to the sheriff's trailer. But we hear the electricity sounds again. He goes to a completely different trailer. Hmm. And he looks. He knocks on the door. There's no one. Um, he checks out underneath. And there is a ring on hmm. a pile of dirt. And we cut to the FBI. Cooper comes in to and talks to Gordon about a dream. And I think it's really, you know, I, this is even serious. But Cooper is the only person that doesn't need to raise his voice for 
for Gordon to hear him. Mm-hmm. They're connected. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he, he had a dream about this day and he keeps checking the camera and his image in the camera. And at a certain point, the image stays even though he's moved. And that is when David Bowie, a.k.a. Jeffries. Mm-hmm. What is his first name? I only think of him as Jeffries, but... I can look at that. Philip. Philip Jeffries, yes. I knew. Jeffries comes in. Albert is here, which I gotta yes. love seeing. <laughs> Miguel Ferrer. David Bowie comes in. Oh, I got to play this part, I think, when we did. Oh. The Twin Peaks Unwrapped, you know, when they mm-hmm. do all their, like, little recreations. Yes. I, I got to do some David... I think I, I got to be David Bowie, so that was pretty Ooh, awesome. that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. But he comes in and he's like... I'm not going to talk about Judy. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a really interesting moment. He He's talking. We don't really hear much of what he says, except for that he went to one of their meetings. Mm-hmm. Because superimposed over him talking is kind of what I think a lot of people consider the Black Lodge with a lot of its denizens. Mm-hmm. We've got the We've got Bob, we've got the arm, we've got Mrs. Tremont and her grandson. Mm-hmm. We've got another jumping man with a mask, plus some bearded men, mm-hmm. which may come back in the third season. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> also, like, the electricity sound. And at the end, Jeffries kind of disappears, and supposedly he was never there at all, according to the front desk. And that's also when we find out that Chet has disappeared. Uh-oh. Where did they go? Now, Chet's disappearance, I believe, is not answered. Never. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> mysticism. I just thought about that. <laughs> I'm surprised he never showed up in season three. Okay. Anyway. The, okay. So then Cooper goes to investigate the trailer park. Mm-hmm. Again, Carl points out where <laughs> Chet was going, and he, Cooper goes <laughs> in a completely different direction, mm-hmm. and Carl's like, where are you going? And he goes, I'm going over here. <laughs> 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 there's no trailer in the spot. This is the same spot Chet was at before, but there's no trailer mm-hmm. now. And we find out that it was an old woman and her grandsons, and they mm. were the Chalfonts. And the people who owned the trailer before that were also Chalfonts, two Chalfonts. Hmm. Which, if I remember correctly, in the series, when Donna goes to the Meals on Wheels and we meet Mrs. Tremont, uh-huh. I think it was originally supposed to be Chalfont. And when, but it's Tremont, there's something that those two Chalfont, Tremont, Mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly. Again, this is another like, if only John Bernardi were here at this moment. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Chalfonts, I think, relates to that old lady. Well, yes. also because a woman and her grandson. But then we see Chet's car says, let's rock, mm. which is the first thing the arm says in the red room. Right, right, right. <sighs> There's so much backward sound throughout the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> And then we see Cooper talking to Diane. Just a little Um, gift for us fans, I believe. (laughs) He says, the killer will strike again. But like the song goes, who knows where or when. And that is the end of the first third and the end of this whole weird first opening section. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) This is just like a little FBI check-in. And then we get to business. Yes, and then we start on the last week of Laura Palmer's life. Uh, 
It's crazy to think that it was her last week. Yeah. Okay, so we see Laura in Twin Peaks. We've got the Twin Peaks theme music. Boom, boom. (laughs) (laughs) We meet Moira Kelly as the new Donna. They walk to school together. Mike and Bobby are being very Mike and Bobby. (laughs) (laughs) James stops Laura in the hall. Laura stops by the restroom to do some coke. (laughs) 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 Then we kind of see Laura and James meeting and the basement the locker rooms i'm not exactly sure the someplace gym, private maybe? in the school for like a midday tryst mm-hmm. while they're having this tryst bobby comes in and kisses the trophy case <laughs> <laughs> where laura's picture is this is also another very kind of funny but also very memorable line where which just this this specific scene proves that Shirley is a great actress because she makes it not funny but it's just so funny because she is like i'm long gone like a turkey in the straw yeah. and james says but a turkey is the dumbest bird on earth and she's like gobble gobble <laughs> but it's like while sen- crying <laughs> it's like the most forlorn like uh, tragedy <laughs> it's very funny okay then after school we see how easily laura can manipulate bobby because she starts mm-hmm. off being really mean to him by being like, I'm standing right behind you, but you're too dumb to turn around. And he's like, oh, maybe I won't be around. And she just turns it right around by like, you know, just smiling at him. And mm-hmm. he, you know, so easy to manipulate yep. Bobby. <laughs> dummy, dummy, dummy. <laughs> and I just, I really love the music from this movie. Me too. We have to cover this album at some point because I've listened to this Fire Walk With Me album so many times. <laughs> <laughs> I know we haven't gotten to it yet, but there is a scene when in Laura's room when she's playing a record, and I was like, that is definitely a David Lynch song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so we see Donna and Laura like, kind of laying around, talking about how the nighttime is Laura's time. <laughs> and Donna thinks James is the one, and you can see like Laura knowing all. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> I guess you should be with him. Donna asks Laura, Do you think if you were falling in space, you would slow down or go faster and faster? And Laura says that you would go faster and faster until you burst into fire and the angels wouldn't help you because they've all gone away. Oh, which so depressing. <laughs> I know. But it does come back. It's very, you know, I would say the angel theme is like kind of a reoccurring. Mm-hmm. Maybe it happens like a three there's a three beat or maybe more mm-hmm. so laura goes home she s- takes out her diary and finds that there are pages missing <gasps> no and uh, for some reason i was thinking this diary and cooper talking to diane and mm-hmm. i was wondering diane diary they're very similar words is there yeah. a connection <laughs> is diane his diary i'm sure in a way <laughs> i don't know <laughs> It just came to my head. So Laura takes the diary to Harold, which he's like one of the few other Twin Peaks characters who really mm-hmm. makes an appearance. A lot of them are in the missing pieces, but it's fun that Harold gets to like really have a great scene. It seems like he doesn't really believe in Bob at first. Mm-hmm. Like he just thinks it's kind of like her imaginary thing. But yeah, Laura is so intense in the scene. And she says that Bob wants to be her or he will kill her. And then she kind of almost like 
channels him and her face kind of turns white and her lips turn black yeah that was really scary i thought that was it was really scary it was really cool and i feel like it really had an impact on harold definitely because he's like (laughs) it was like if you didn't know bob was real before but it's like every time she kind of spirals like this it's like just letting Bob in just a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Like you can't, she can't keep her guard up when she's like in this kind of manic phase. Yeah. And she just like, it just like spirals and spirals. But, and this is still the beginning. Mm-hmm. So she, ta- she tasks him with hiding the diary. I mean, we're, we're seeing at the beginning of the last week of her life that she's already at the end of her tether, you know? Yeah. Okay. So Cooper talks to Albert Oh, I guess we do get a little bit more of them. Mm-hmm. He's testing him because he thinks he can foresee the next victim. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he's like, she's on drugs. She's a teenager. She's calling out for help. She's sexually active. And Albert's like, um, that's like every teenage girl. And <laughs> he's like, right now she is preparing a great abundance of food. And we get some Meals on mm-hmm. Wheels. <laughs> <laughs> We get a little uh-huh. shot of Norma and Shelly. So excited! Although we get a little them. bit more Shelly in the mo- in this movie, but this mm-hmm. is, I think all we see of Norma. Oh, that's sad. Uh, I know it's exciting to see them. Shelly is tasked with giving Laura a hand, and she reluctantly agrees. <laughs> but as Laura is putting the meals into her car, Mrs. Tremont appears and beckons uh. her over. Her grandson is actually wearing the pointy nose mask that the jumping man from the Black Lodge is wearing was wearing yes. earlier. And he tells her that the man behind the mask, aka Bob, is looking for her diary. Ugh. And this freaks her out because, you know, she just had the thing. And she runs away, leaving Shelly very confused. Oh, this is oh, such a scene. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Laura goes home. This is a very scary moment. She's very quietly creeping through the house, which, I mean, it's the middle of the day, but it's still really scary. It is. She's trying to be quiet. They've got the fan. The symbolic fan is always present when she's at home. And she creeps up to her room. She looks in the door and she sees Bob in her room looking for the diary. She screams. She runs away. She hides under a bush next door. Mm -hmm. And while she's freaking out and crying, she watches to see who leaves her house because she knows that it's not just bob you know she right knows that there's he's someone. not by himself yeah bob is the mask who's the man behind the mask and she sees that is her father leland palmer <gasps> so scary and she freaks out she can't believe it she's like it's not him it can't be him still crying she goes to donna's house and donna assures her that she is her best friend it's such a sad moment Mm-hmm. Then that evening, we see her go back home, and Leland is sitting at the dinner table. Leland looks creepier than he's ever looked. <laughs> yeah, he's one of the people on like new perspective, sort of, because definitely didn't get any of this in Twin Peaks, right? Season well, one. Well, he wasn't playing it because he didn't know. <laughs> right, and then I mean, in the diary, we kind of get some weirdness, but not. To, I don't feel like it's to this level. Oh yeah, because it's still a mystery in the diary. Yeah, we aren't. We don't. We're not supposed to know who right. the murderer is. Although she did know when she wrote it, and yeah. there are like hints 
little bitty bitty hints in the diary but so laura comes home she's somewhat reluctantly sits down and leland very uh, you can see like there's a level of kind of abuse that's going on Mm -hmm. outside of you know the the other abuse and sarah is just kind of like you know, she's just trying to lessen the tension, but she fails. She never stands up to Leland. She mm-hmm. never stands up for Laura. And it's very kind of a weird kind of, you know, he's like, there's dirt under this nail, which, oh, the nail. Uh, under <laughs> no, I was like, the nail? <laughs> he's like, this specific one. <laughs> yeah, this ring finger nail. Mm. And he insists that she goes and washes her hands, which she does while weeping again. It's a very intense scene. Yeah, very uncomfortable. Later we see them in the evening and we really can see a scene of leland transitioning from Mm -hmm. bob to father and he starts crying he goes to laura's room he takes her hand he tells her that he loves her laura's theme is playing and when he leaves laura looks at her picture of an angel Mm -hmm. another angel and asks if it's true and before bed she decides that reminds her to put up the mystery picture Yes. That she got from the tree months. Yes. I was so, I feel like this sort of sequence of scenes kind of, I it made me wonder about like the home life of the Palmers and has it always sort of been this like kind of, you know, quote unquote, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde situation mm. where sometimes he's really abusive, sometimes he's not, or did it kind of just switch more recently? Because I feel like it would be one of those things where it would get out. Like it would be kind of more of a known thing. Right. Well, I would say we do know that he is known for being erratic, you know, Mm -hmm. like, and he's also kind of like a sharky kind of lawyer. So I would say it's probably somewhat there, but I think by the time we're getting to them in this movie, Mm -hmm. that everything has escalated to like a point where it seems like he's kind of like consistently being kind of Mm -hmm. a Bob. Losing control. Yeah, and yeah, especially like the diary makes it seem like it's probably not always like this, but... Mm-hmm. I did wonder, because he's like this, known as this, like you said, sharky lawyer, like if, you know, because we kind of find out that he had Bob and him. He he met Bob very young, like Laura did. Uh-huh. And maybe Bob has been in him this whole time, sort of, and he's been like sort of utilizing Bob's power as oh, a yeah. lawyer to help like her other people and bob's like i get satisfaction from that but then once laura came to the picture he was like oh this is really what i want yeah yeah i and believe just, that uh, makes me <laughs> gross give me the chills <laughs> i know oh it's so sad and you know like there's a whole nother perspective you could be like well bob is just symbolic and it's just oh. a way for us all to be able to watch this without <laughs> without <laughs> you know. hating like a person yeah 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 i you know my but i like to believe that what we see is real and there is a whole nother supernatural element to all of this because oh yeah you know that's twin peaks <laughs> oh yeah and you know there's like the whole overview of like having the choice of letting that in or kind of trying to force it out like laura did mm-hmm. for a long time where she didn't want to really want to hurt the people she actually cared about so you know it's it's there to be blamed, I guess, and to for the movie and for the TV show's sake. But um, I think blame, for me, ultimately lies with the person. Right. Yeah. And we get it. I mean, there's a lot 
more of that feeling in this mm-hmm. movie than we ever got in the series for sure oh yeah and in the diary i would say mm-hmm. okay so this crazy dream <laughs> <laughs> so laura dreams that she is in the picture mm-hmm. that she put on her wall uh, mrs tremont is there with her grandson we see red curtains we see chevron floors Cooper comes in and the arm tells him who he is. Mm-hmm. I think this is kind of the same as what happens in the original Red Room scene from the series, like Cooper coming in and him being like, uh-huh. I am the arm. Then he shows him the ring and Cooper tells Laura not to take the ring. Mm. And then she appears to wake up, although I'm pretty sure she's still asleep. And her arm is asleep. She's like, Uh uh-huh you know dragging it over which we already saw Teresa. we heard that her arm had gone dead at some point Mm -hmm. she looks next to her in bed and annie is in bed with her (laughs) all bloody (laughs) that was a shock i was like annie of all people i know and laura barely like even reacts to her being there like oh it's perfectly normal that you're here Mm. in the bed (laughs) she tells her that the good dale is in the lodge and he can't leave and for her to write it in her diary and when laura turns she kind of like looks back to the door she turns back annie is gone and the ring is in her hand and she Ugh. freaks out she, she actually it. has more of a reaction to not to seeing her gone than she did to mm-hmm. seeing her there in the first place then she sees herself in the picture yes and then it's the morning and she wakes up there's no ring in her hand she takes down the picture which <laughs> yeah, I, would. I think i would do as well <laughs> i would have shattered it <laughs> yeah Okay, and so then this is the last scene we're going to do before we get to the halfway mark. Mm-hmm. It's Leo and Shelly, very opening <laughs> of Twin Peaks. Leo yeah. is scrubbing the floor, screaming at Shelly, smacking her around. It's horrible. Bobby calls and says that the football is empty, and Leo <laughs> informs him that he already owes him $5,000, which Shelly is like, $5,000? She doesn't know it's Bobby, but. Well, I don't think she knows it's Bobby. Well, she's, I think it's just like looking at the living situation of them. And she's like, that's a lot of money. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. It's crazy to me that these high school kids are like dealing in. But I mean, I guess it's because Laura's prostituting herself. But like. Yeah. Dealing in these huge sums of money. (laughs) Yeah. It's crazy. So Bobby then calls Jacques, who this movie gives, I guess. He is in the the diary, but mm-hmm. this movie just gives him such a bigger place in Twin Peaks mm-hmm. pantheon than he would have ever had from just the series. Oh, definitely. <laughs> One of my favorite lines, he says, or, you know, he get, he asks him if he can get drugs or whatever. And he's like, maybe, Bobby, baby, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I say that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> And he sets up a $10,000 drop in two days. $10,000. is the halfway mark. <laughs> uh, so crazy. It's, I don't know. I, I feel like, and this is what Twin Peaks, David Lynch-esque things always bring up. It's like, I feel like I have some answers, but I have even more questions now that I've watched it. I know. <laughs> so many questions. And who knows? Maybe the second part will answer them, but. Yep. Well, the one thing you know about David Lynch is even when he answers all your questions, he mm-hmm. leaves you with 50 more. <laughs> of course, that won't be answered. <laughs> <laughs> Until the next thing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I'm really enjoying this. I um, 
even through talking through this, uh, I was like, in my head, I was like, oh, I think I have a theory about what happened to Chris Isaac's character, which <laughs> is, you know, Cooper's thing was like, don't take the ring. And, you know, uh, Chris Isaac's found the ring. And I bet you very much Lord of the Rings-esque, the ring was beckoning him and was sort mm. of showing him, oh, like, if you take me, you could have all this power, blah, blah, blah. And I'm sure he took it because you kind of have this feeling that his character is very bullish, very headstrong, very condescending, kind of like not a necessarily not necessarily a bad person, but not a great person. Mm-hmm. And so he seems very susceptible to ki- those kind of things. And so yeah. maybe he got sort of, uh, what's the word, uh, seduced by the ring and was taken by Bob. Well, the ring does <laughs> play a part in the ending, so we will revisit we'll this see. in our next episode. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, in season three, the ring is another big, mm-hmm. it's another Thing that's pretty prevalent throughout the season so we'll get to that although we'll, we'll have to wait to get to season three because oh yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> i had a bunch of people being like when are you gonna get to firewalk with me and it's like well you know christian needs to have the real experience of having to wait for a little exactly. while <laughs> <laughs> but i think it's it's good to wait especially because it's like taking it in without having just watched twin peaks it's like yeah. It feels it feels better than having all of that stuff like in my recent memory. Right. Well, do you have a favorite part from the first half? Oh gosh, it's a hard one because like there are a lot of like good scary moments. <laughs> I really like the uh, reveal to Laura that it's Leland who is possessed mm, by Bob. Yeah. Just the whole like the scene of her going in like opening her door like just below a little bit and you all you see is the denim jacket and she starts screaming like she knows he's yeah. bob and then like just the way that she's watching it from the bushes and he comes out of the house and it's leland it's like this like even though we know already it's like this almost like you know gives you like goosebumps it was just like oh this is too much yeah yeah it's so hard to decide because like all the laura parts She's so good that mm-hmm. you're like, I mean, how can I not choose like this amazing acting toward a force that you're doing? Right. But then also, you know, like I know every line from the first third of the movie. <laughs> Well, the FBI stuff is like so it's funny. It's got that kind of levity that you need because we're about because the minute we get into Laura stuff, it's like, <laughs> oh god. <laughs> She's yeah. kind of tough. I'll life. say two then. I'll say from the first part, I love the Philip Jeffries mm-hmm. seeing the Black Lodge. It just is so many like questions and clues oh, yeah. and lore type things mm-hmm. all smooshed up into this one little tiny weird, weird out of nowhere scene. And so I, I really like that. And then I really like the scene with Donna and Laura where Laura uh-huh. is talking about speeding up in space and mm-hmm. how no one will help you because all the angels have gone away. And <sighs> yeah, it makes me choke up a little just talking about <laughs> it. <laughs> well, it's like, it really makes you think about like the dichotomy of being a teenager. And I feel like a lot of times, I mean, it's not necessarily this black and white, but there are you either have a really good teenage experience for the most part, or you have a really dark teenage experience. And like the dichotomy of Donna versus Laura, it's like, 
Yeah. It's I, I, it's interesting to see, like, oh, who do you relate to? And, I mean, I personally relate to Laura, but because yeah. definitely had those feelings when I was a teenager. <sighs> I don't know. I guess I probably relate more to Donna, but I don't know that I necessarily relate to any of the girls oh, I mean, specifically. specifically but... They were all more, like... <laughs> weirdly aspirational because they were like teenagers when i was 12 year old when mm-hmm. i was watching it the first time and so they were like you know oh i want to look just like them well, or be they're... like them, I love all of them. <laughs> they're so gorgeous they're so <laughs> like mature they're doing crazy stuff and you're like i want to get into some crazy things i know <laughs> uh, but not after watching this movie. <laughs> <laughs> no thank you i don't want to see a bob in real life ever <laughs> no <laughs> I could I could not be a Laura. It would no. be too much. For me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm interested to finish this because I have some thoughts about the Black Lodge and about the members, denizens, quote unquote, and mm-hmm. maybe like you know Laura's place in the Black Lodge because she seems to be sort of a figure, especially in season two of Twin Peaks. So I I'm gonna wait till the end of part two to kind of really kind of dive into those but yeah got something brewing up here <laughs> i will say that i mean i don't know if this has to do with your theory mm-hmm. but a lot of people separate the like red room area uh, and the black lodge as being two separate i see things. i see so that's more like a waiting area maybe because later i mean i don't even know if in this movie or if we heard about it i think we did hear about it in the series mm-hmm. like there's a white lodge supposedly yes. as well so I, th- I think that maybe the Red Room is between the two, but, you know, this uh, is all okay. crazy fan speculation. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll just have to see in part two if it affects any of my predictions, theories, yeah. etc. cetera. <laughs> oh, it just made me think. <laughs> <laughs> this is so unnecessary, Maya, but... Um, the Black Lodge also supposedly over a convenience store. That's one of the things Jeffrey says. Uh, I don't know why I felt the need to say it, but interesting. <laughs> well, you know, like I do with any little Easter eggs, I just file them away and feel like yeah, file it away <laughs> and be like, let me just you know keep it in the back of my mind. You never know when it'll come in handy. <laughs> yes. So we will be back with you guys next week with the second half of Fire Walk with me mm-hmm. and. I'm so glad we're doing this. Okay. Me too. I mean, you know, it's such an essential piece of Twin Peaks universe. So I'm ex- I'm yeah. very happy and excited that we're doing it. Yeah, it was so nice to rewatch it. And I didn't even feel like, oh, I'm doing so much work when I was writing down every single thing. That happened, <laughs> which probably didn't need to do because I know exactly what happens. But it's been a long time since I've seen it. So it was very nice to revisit mm-hmm. it. All right. Well. But that's all for this week. Yes. So... We will talk to you next week. Yes. Thank you for listening. Bye. Good night. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can DM us on Instagram at Manders and Madness Pod, or you can DM us on Twitter at Manners Madness, or you could email us at Gmail using mannersmadness at gmail.com. And if you would like to leave a voice message on our website, you can at mannersmadness.com. And it's about a minute long. Yes. And we would absolutely love it if you would give us a rating and review on Apple or Spotify or the podcast app of your choice. It really means a lot to us and helps get more people to listen to the podcast. Also, we have a donate button, which is on our website, mannersmadness.com as well. (laughs) Absolutely. Any help is very much appreciated.
very much. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week. Good night. Bye.